This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is my partner in crime, Jim Williams. What's going on, man? Doing well. And before we go any further... With the shenanigans we usually bring to the table on this show, today is Veterans Day. So if you know somebody who served actively uh, in our military, be it the Army, the Navy, the Armed Forces, what Marines, what have you, uh, reach out to them today and thank them for what they did. Thank them for their service. Uh, I'm privileged to know a number of individuals who uh, who served for our country to keep our freedoms intact. So uh just think of those people today because that's what Veterans Day is all about. Uh, Absolutely. 24-7 Sports Up Radio cares. Now, and their, and their fights allow us to make complete idiots out of ourselves on this show, which we're going to do, don't worry. All the time. Oh, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, a wild weekend in the NFL. Some mind-numbing news in Major League Baseball. From Atlanta, gee, what a surprise. And we have a great guest on, Jeff Perlman. He uh, wrote recently uh, in the Wall Street Journal an article about how he doesn't want his kids to play organized team sports. We'll talk with him about that. We'll mention a few other things with him as well. But we we can't do this show without you, our loyal listeners. There are many ways to get in touch with us. We have a chat room. Log on to the Blog Talk Radio website and uh, via Facebook, Twitter, what have you, your own username, whatever, float your boat. Uh, sign in. Join our chat room. I'm there. Uh, Mr. Ragus is there. Uh, also, you can give us a ring-a-ling on the ting-a-ling, the phone number, 347. <laughs> well, you like that, don't you? I stole it from some guy who no, has no talent. 347-237-5373. That's 347-237-5373. Or you can click the Skype to get in on this. But uh, right now, we got to get in on a lot of NFL recapping. Yeah, absolutely. Hooray. <laughs> you just, you were just, that's what you were laughing about. You were waiting to get in. No, no, no. I had, I had to do it after you did the whole ringling on the tingling thing. Ringling so. on the tingling. Hooray. <laughs> Let's jump into some NFL this right now. This is what now. people fought for, for me to say Goulet, apparently, which Absolutely, is Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about, man. And he's Canadian. Anyway, he the was. freedom man. to say the ring-a-ling on a ting-a-ling. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the first game uh, from Sunday. That was the Seattle Seahawks, uh, now 9-1 and after a 33-10 to win over the, the, the really defunct Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they've just been... Awful this season. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, 19 of 26, two touchdowns. But the big story here, Marshawn Lynch, 145 yards on the ground, 24 carries. What did you think of this one? When I saw the people on uh, the NFL Red Zone on their Twitter account say, Marshawn Lynch is in beast mode, and it wasn't even the end of the first quarter, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about where this game's going, I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean... The only consistent thing about Atlanta is they're consistently bad. They are in such disarray, like you said. Defunct's a darn good word to describe them. I mean, Matt Ryan, God bless him, he's doing what he can, completing roughly two-thirds of his passes for minimal yardage and a touchdown. There's no running game. We knew this. Uh, And Russell Wilson, very competent, had himself a great game, 19-26, 287, two touchdowns. But like you said, it all stems from Marshawn Lynch. See, this is what happens, boys and girls, when you actually run the football! Too bad they don't do that in Philly, huh? 
Don't start, man. I'm on a high right now. We're in first place in Philly, baby. Woo! Yeah, we'll get to that because I got to call you out on something as we get there. So. Uh, oh, you're gonna call. Oh, you're gonna call me out. You're gonna put me on blast, as the kids say. It's gonna be on blast. Well, we got another game before we get to that Philadelphia Eagles game. So let's go. Did even point. say on blast? I don't even know. I'm sorry. And that is <laughs> the Detroit Lions now six and three with a twenty-one to nineteen win over the Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler Megatron two touchdowns. The guy is just a beast. What did you think of this game, Jim? With no regard for human life, Megatron takes the field, yeah. No. Cutler, you can tell he's been a little wild for him. 21-40, 250, a touchdown and a pick. The key to this for me is Detroit holding Matt Forte in check to less than a yard and a half, less than two yards a carry, I should say. Yeah. I mean, no Matt Forte, and the Bears still kept it close, but ultimately Detroit did enough to win. I mean, Reggie Bush ran for 105 yards on minimal carries, just 14. Uh, Stafford wasn't great, but he was serviceable, and that's all he needed to be when he has a guy like Megatron uh, uh, back in his play. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, this was a game that really is was for the division title at this early stage of the season, I truly believe in my heart of hearts, given what's happened uh, most recently in uh, in Green Bay. And right now, it's Detroit's division to lose. They had the opportunity to seize momentum. They have seized it, and the division is theirs to lose. They control their own fate at this Absolutely. point. Plus, it's easy to uh, have the control when you have probably the best wide receiver. Actually, the best wide receiver in the NFL, no question about it. He is the CM Punk of wide receivers. He is best in the world. He is. Actually, he's the Chris Jericho of oh, so wide he receivers. Has, he, he, he is the best the rock in the world. band in his off days. And Des Bryant is the Ralphus of wide receivers. Oh, <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. Ralphus Security. Anyway. Ralphus is your main man, isn't Ralphus it? Ralphus is my main man. If we can get Ralphus on with us, that would be amazing. Oh. Yeah, is he still alive? A show of Ahmad Rashad and Ralphus. Oh. Epic. I might All quit. All proportions. Epic. I might quit. I might die a happy man if that happened. Actually, you wouldn't quit because it would be fun and you would enjoy it. So. Yeah, I would. You're right. Because uh, I'm a masochist. If we can get Ahmad Rashad to call Ralph as his main man, I could die a happy guy. Yeah, I pretty much could, couldn't I? All right. I have issues. Here we go here. Your Philadelphia Eagles, now 5-5 five and five on the season, goes into Lambeau Field yeah. and wins 27-13, to 13, led by who? The great Nick Foles. Oh, my main man. Come on. The great Nick Foles. But that's a big story of it. <laughs> Another story, though, coming out of Philadelphia is... LaShawn McCoy with 25 carries and 100 Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! You see, how many times... And I even said it specifically on Twitter. If you check Jay Williams on air, my Twitter account. I even said specifically, please give Shady 25 carries. Yes, you did. Many times you've said it. No, but I said it's Sunday. I am. Once early on. say it every game. He's got to have at least 25 carries to be effective. And tell me if I'm wrong. What happened? They won. In this case, you weren't wrong. Oh, I'm never wrong. I'm a broadcast <laughs> journalist, damn it. Well, no, Shady, 25 carries, 155 yards. I mean, Foles didn't do much passing. I mean, he did, but he didn't. 12 of 18, he didn't need to. 228, three touchdowns, and two of them were the racist Riley Cooper. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's his nickname for the rest of the season. I don't care how good he is, he's racist Riley Cooper. You get drunk in the Kenny Chesney concert, you drop the N-word, you're racist Riley. But, <laughs> we're not going to go over the hypotheses we had pre-show, or you had pre-show, but we're not going to go there. But, no, I mean, 
imagine if they regularly give this guy the ball. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, this team would be the division champion. How do you have 155 yards on this ground without a touchdown? That ball does be man. It I does. Think to those me, numbers without, a, without at least one touchdown. You have to have at least one. It does a little bit to me too, but but let's talk about the other side of things. Cause <laughs> You're just happy at 25 carries. I'm happy at 20. My fantasy team, my main man, there he is. And, you can have eight touchdowns on nine carries, but as long as it says 25 in that carries column. Well, no, I. It's not so much the carries per se. It's as long as he gets 100 yards or more, this team wins. I mean, you're going to say, well, Jim, any running back who gets 100 yards, more often than not, their team's going to win. Not necessarily. But with Shady, there's an almost direct correlation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but on the other side, we've got to talk about Green Bay because, oh, man, they are in the doo-doo right now. Next. Because Seneca Wallace, their, their savior, he had probably close to a perfect quarterback rating because he threw 5 for 5 for 25 yards. 87.5 rating. Yeah, okay, well, that's not close to perfect, but hey, at least he was efficient. And then he went down with a groin injury. Insert his replacement, and I have to look up his name. Yes, Scott Tolson. First ever NFL action. He went 24-39 for 280, one touchdown, but he threw two less than stellar pixies. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't for those picks, he looked pretty good. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, if it wasn't for... If it wasn't for McCoy's 155 yards, then the Eagles' running game wouldn't look good. So there you go. Well, absolutely. But, uh, I mean, the Packers are in free-fall mode. I don't see how they can even be better than third place in this division right now. That just shows you how important Aaron Rodgers is to this team. That's what I said last week. Without Rodgers, playoffs is done for them. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I would completely and wholeheartedly agree. Like I said, if he comes back by week 13, week 14, I, I, I think that's still not enough time for them to do what's, you know, do what's right and get back into the playoff scheme. But by the same token, you don't want to rush him back because he's your investment. He's your he is your franchise. He's your franchise. That's he, it. he is the Shane Douglas of that team. You are absolutely right. Uh, can we play a little Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple right now? <laughs> I would hold three fingers in the air, but people would be like, oh, look, it's a John Cena pose. Oh, uh, oh. You keep talking about Shane Douglas, man. Luke Hawks is going to slap you. So. Oh, no, Shane Douglas is my main man. I, I used to hail the triple threat at ECW. Come on, man. Oh, no gimmick, Granted, man. Chris Candido over here. So. Grant, oh, no. Yep. Hey, let's bring Sonny into it just to really mess things up more. Let's move on. Well, guess what? What? The Jaguars won a game. They are now 1-8 on the season. What? 29 to 27 win over the Tennessee Titans. You would think that was a big story, but another story coming out of this game is Jake Locker, done for the season. We wish you the very best in his future endeavors. Yeah, that's... Although Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't look terrible. Unfortunately, Chris Johnson, then again, once again... Yeah. Crap. And what did I say you, last week? And once again, you look at the numbers and you look at the box score and it doesn't even come close to telling the story because... Chad Henney sucked. Mm-hmm. MJD got into the end zone from short yardage. Otherwise, he sucked. Yep. You know, it, it came out. touchdown to from uh, Jason Todman. Yeah, I mean, they had no offense, yet they still won this game 29-27. to 27. Well, you know, a, a blind squirrel finds his nuts every now and again. You know what I mean? Well, honestly, man, you, you know what? You turn around and you look at it, man. That penalty on Chance Warmack in the end zone for that safety. Yee! Yeah, that was... That, well, that implies any time you lose three fumbles in a game yeah. Yeah. and you fumble five times in total, yeah, that's kind of a problem. And who lost one of them? Chris Johnson. Yeah, vintage Chris Johnson. Oh, my. 
I'm still waiting for where the Jets fans are who were so crazy pissed off about the Jets letting Sean Green go to Tennessee. How'd that work out? Didn't hurt him. Let's see. 80 yards, 23 carries, one touchdown, and we're going into week 11? Yeah. Superstar. Oh, yeah. Superstar. Superstar. But, I mean, here we go. Uh, the Jags got to win. Are they going to win at least one more this season? I mean, I honestly don't see how they're going to win another one this season, you know, unless they play the Tennessee Titans again. Which they won't, um, I don't think. No, they got, uh, let's see, Arizona, Houston, Cleveland, Houston, Buffalo, Tennessee in Week 16. Uh, 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 two, two and 14, here we go. Yeah. Uh, none of us picked the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gee, shocker, I know. Yeah. yeah. What can you do? Well, you know, I, I picked a, a, another un, un, unblemished record, if you will, to, to win. And that's hopefully tonight, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Absolutely. Let's uh, move it on, and uh, let's get to a stinker of a game, and that comes from Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts as they lost 38-8 to to Kellen Clemens and the St. Louis Rams. I don't know about that. here. I don't know about that. But this was the Kellen Clemens, 140.6 quarterback rating that the Jets were hopefully looking at years ago. And he didn't do it there. He did it with Tavon Austin, two touchdowns? Come on. And a bomb from 81? I mean, come on. The other one was a bomb, too, at 50, what, 57 yards? Yeah. I mean, and Zach Stacy's all right. And they get running from some guy nobody's ever heard of, Betty Cunningham. Isn't that uh, Richie Cunningham's brother who went up the stairs with the basketball and never returned? Goodbye, great skies. Hello, blue. Nothing to hold me when I... All right, I'm going to get... Sorry about that. Unbelievable, man. I mean, uh, seriously, Andrew Luck threw for almost 400 yards. Three, but he threw three picks. Oh, it, it killed him. And what? Three Matt Hasselbeck picks. taking the helm. What would you I'm sure Elizabeth really appreciates seeing... Uh... Wait a minute, is Elizabeth Hasselbeck married to Tim or Matt? I get that. Yeah. Ah, who cares? The they both kind of suck, so it doesn't really matter. And then we know what she does, too. So let's move on. Uh, no, but uh, Tavon Austin had himself a game, like you said. And, and T.Y. Hilton on the other side uh, for Indianapolis kept his team in the game, yeah. uh, chewing up yardage between the 20s. Um, it's just, just a weird, weird game. Yeah, yeah I, I nobody expected this, man. Seriously, nobody yeah. expected uh, Andrew Luck to throw three interceptions. Nobody expected Matt Hasselbeck to be playing in this game and throw an interception. I mean, and two, were, and of course that long punt return, the ninety-eight yard punt return. Yes, yes. that was the backbreaker. I think right there. It was. It really was. Um, what can you do? But let's uh, go to a, another game, and that was the New York Giants down in the Oakland Raiders, twenty-four to twenty. The Ra- uh, excuse me, the Giants now three and six on the season. And to me, here's the story again for Oakland. They need Terrell Pryor to be a quarterback, not a running back. Yeah, you'll get no argument from me. Will the real Terrell Pryor please stand up? Honest to goodness. And again, classic case, Eli Manning, not a great game. Far from it. But Pryor, even worse. Now, the thing I'm looking at also with the Giants is, who the heck is their running back now? It's Andre Brown, apparently. After 30 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown, they go through running backs like you and I go through Fruit of the Looms, BBDs, Hands, or whatever brand you prefer. <laughs> we'll take sponsorship, by the way. Any brand that wants to sponsor this show, you're more than welcome to. We don't hate on the underwear brands. Yeah. Especially if it's Victoria's Secret and you can give us some models, then we're really in business. Okay, give me some models because he's married. But 
I'm trying to help the cause, man. Don't hate. And this is notwithstanding, you know, two of these running backs, two of these, uh, uh, you know, offensive players fumbled the football, letting it go. I, I, I don't know. Again, this was just a weird, weird game for both sides. And uh, Oakland, uh, Oakland choked it a little bit more in the end. Not yep. pretty. Not pretty at all. No. So... It is what it is. Oakland, and the Giants uh, are within what? A game and a half, two games of the division lead now? Oh, yeah, because the division is just so. Oh, well, it's going to change now. Whole new division right now from this week forward, I tell you. Why is that? Because uh, you're either. We've got to share in first place with a great team and a team that will tell you about how it happened Sunday night in a moment or two. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the next one. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers with a 23 to 10 win over the Buffalo Bills. Steelers now 3 and 6 on the season. Bills drop to 3. And seven. E.J. Manuel came back for this game, and uh, it didn't help. No, it didn't, because he, he was serviceable at best, a touchdown, counseled out by an interception, throwing for 155. Um, you know, again, nobody setting the world on fire outside of Antonio Brown for Pittsburgh in this game, who caught over half the yardage that was thrown by uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and, yeah. uh, you know, I call it a big 40-yard gainer. But the big story from this game isn't even what happened on the field. It's after the game. Ben Roethlisberger, the subject of alleged rumors that he was out of the Steel City. And quite frankly, I couldn't blame him. But he backtracked tremendously after the game, saying it was, uh, how can I clean it up for air? Poppycock. It was poppycock. <laughs> a BS report, he says. Yeah. Yeah, it's pop- poppycock is a it's a it's a lovely product too. Poppycock, I hear. I just want to keep saying poppycock, so I'll stop. <laughs> that is blinking fertilizer, as Vin Scully would say. Oh man. Well, either way, on the Buffalo end, they got to get something more from Fred Jackson and C.J. Spiller because with E.J. Manuel at the helm, it's not. You know, they're not going to be looking at a winning record anytime soon. Yeah, uh, both of these guys, Jackson and Spiller, have been banged up this season. They're not a hundred percent. You know that as well as I do. Oh, absolutely. And Stevie Johnson uh, afterwards saying that his frustration level is at a 10. Good job by you, Stevie. Yay, oh, that's, that's, that's That's nothing new with Stevie Johnson. So. Yeah, he's a... guy, you know what, man? Guy should be on total divas, man. Oh, well, I hope Natalia doesn't put him in the sharpshooter. I should put you in one, man. I know you like that. I, I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Right. Speechless. Next game. Let's move it over to an OT game here, and that was the Baltimore Ravens winning on a field goal, twenty to seventeen over Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, once again, Andy Dalton, man, uh, didn't look like the Andy Dalton that we've been used to over the last few weeks. But last week and this week, this is the Andy Dalton where we say, "Will the real Andy Dalton please stand up?" All the time. Yes, the Ginger Brigade was not in full force. Oh, but time. you could say it and I can't. That's right, because I know people with red hair. No. Um, A.J. Green did everything he could to save this thing. Uh, but again, there was not much in the way of running, uh, respectable running from Bernard and Green Ellis no. uh, in the game. That hurt them. better than Baltimore's uh, running attack. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they were they were par for the course. And Joe Flacco didn't have himself a great game either. It's just, uh, again, the defenses came up to play when it mattered most. Uh Defensive field goal kickers, man. Whoever was going to make that good kick, and it was just... And stupid penalties. Nine penalties for 134 yards. That'll always kill a drive. 134, jeez. Yikes. That, that'll do you in. That'll do you in every day of the week, twice on Sunday. It's, ouch. Uh, it's, you know it's ugly. That's all you could say is ouch. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Oh, boy. All right. We'll continue the trend here and uh, continue talking NFL. And uh, let's get into this stinker of a game, uh, Jim. That was the Carolina Panthers beating the San Francisco 49ers 10-9. to And the Panthers are now 6-3 and on the season. Yeah, so you're wondering who's going to challenge the Saints for the division? Hi, it's Carolina. They have just – they have come from an abyss. Yeah. To to rattle off, you know, uh, five in a row, ending a five-game winning streak for the 49ers. The big story of this game, Colin Kaepernick is Garbage. not who we thought he was. Garbage. He's a joke. Yes, he is. He is. He's just straight fact. In fact, a former Philadelphia mayor, I think, could probably summarize how Colin Kaepernick plays. Are you sure about that? I'm I'm sure, sure. I right, here we go. You're less than a man. That's right. Okay? You're a crumb creep. That's You're right. a real crumb bum. You're a coward. You're a yellow sneak. <laughs> and you're a lush. Play every word of it, crumb. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Kaepernick. <laughs> no, but, okay, kidding aside, right now, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, you're probably mulling over in the back of your mind, now that he's had a full season as starter, technically, because I think it was week 10 last year he took over, give or take. Yeah. You could have Alex Smith as your quarterback right now. Oh, forget and you see what Alex Smith is doing in Kansas City. Yeah. With a, with a good running back behind him, and he'd have the same thing in San Francisco. You know, people wondering, oh, well, you know, we got the better quarterback in Kaepernick. Uh, no, you don't. Listen, man, when you got guys like Anquan Bolden, uh, Vernon Davis, Mario Manningham, you got targets to throw to. I'm sorry, but when you go 11 for 22 and only 91 yards, you're not a good quarterback. Talk about your sophomore slumps. This is the epitome of a sophomore slump we're seeing before our very eyes. I mean, he had that one good game in week one, and then after that... And after that, he's followed off the turnip truck. He was looking like a pocket passer in week one. I mean, I mean, honestly, we were shocked at the way he played in week one. Yeah, he had uh, the game of his career. Literally, he had the game of his career, and now... Uh, there are no words to really describe just how, how bad he's been playing. Yet... He has enough moving parts to be a six win te- on a six-win team. Unbelievable. But put it this way. This 49ers team, as they are, gets in the playoffs. They're one done. They are one and done. Oh, yeah. No question about it. You know. No it, question about it. It's mind-numbing. I, they don't get out of the wild card. I really don't think so. And now, Arizona, as we'll talk about momentarily, starting to make a claim saying, hey, maybe we deserve a little respectability here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, then you, and we, we talked about Carolina, you know. They're right behind New Orleans now. Yeah. Right behind them. And they were looking awful. But Cam Newton, man, you know, he's picking it up. I mean, he didn't look that great yesterday, but you know what? He's doing enough to get his team a victory. You know, he was moving the chains. D'Angelo Williams moved the chain on that uh, 27-yard touchdown for Carolina. It mm-hmm. helps. It really does help. So. It was a bit more balanced uh, than you know Carolina's had uh, than they've had as of late. So, but it was a defensive struggle. So props to the defense for Carolina. I mean, they were unreal during the game. I think they held. Trying to get the uh, total here, they held the 49ers to a total net yardage of 151 yards. Mm-hmm. They just contained the bleep out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, you got to give props there. 
Absolutely. Got to give your props there. All right, let's move to another game. And who would have thunk this? The Houston Texans are now 2-7 and seven going into Week 11, Jim, after the Cardinals defeated them 27-24. to 24. And you know what? Maybe it wasn't the fault of Matt Chubb because here we got Case Keenum who throws three touchdowns yesterday, and they still can't win. What's going on with the Houston Texans? A lot of people are going to say, oh, this is vintage Wade Phillips, um, which yeah, I'm not again saying. Case Keenum's not the problem. No. Now, it, the defense is the problem. I mean, this was a vaunted defense coming into this season. If you were to build a team on paper, you were to build that paper tiger of a champion, you would put Houston's defense on board because you have why. You have... Well, Cushing went healthy, and they're amazing. Oh, forget about it. I mean, even us. I mean, we were talking so highly about them. I mean, this is a team that, you know, we thought, who knows, maybe even Super Bowl aspirations this season. And they have fallen off the pace and then some. Big time. Big, big time. You know, you tip your cap to the Cardinals, and you tip your cap really to Bruce Arians, who he's got to get consideration for NFL coach of the year. He has got to get consideration because he is taking, he's doing more with less than anybody right now as a coach in the league. Absolutely, man. He really doesn't have anybody on his team, except for honestly, besides Larry Fitzgerald, where do you go with this team? I mean, they they go Andre Ellington, maybe running back. And he's he's been doing good, but that's another guy too. Yesterday, man, they only give him 11 carries. And once again, Mendenhall, they they, they split the load between Ellington and Mendenhall. So they combine with the way way Ellington's been running. I'm sorry, man. I I, I would have left Mendenhall on the bench. Well, and I think they're going to, because Mendenhall lost a fumble in the game. So, I mean, seriously, Ellington's been great for this team over the last couple of weeks. He's been a spark plug. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not going to get any argument from me. So, uh, I guess Edgar and James is going to come out of retirement and they're going to put Ellen in the Oh, so. man. The edge is back. Unbelievable, man. Would that make him the rated R superstar? Uh, it could be. It could be. Yeah. Tony right, Kimmel, get... thank you. You appreciate that. Let's move on to this one. The Denver Broncos now 8-1 and one on the season even... after a 28-20 to 20 win. Over the now four and five San Diego Chargers, and I honestly thought San Diego could have taken this game, and it was close, Jim. It was close; they could have, but ultimately, you know what you win. did wrong. Yeah, you won against Python. Python mining. who ended up getting hurt in the fourth quarter, and now everybody's on pins and needles throughout the Rocky Mountains to see what happens to him. Yeah. But before he got binged up around the ankle, he was twenty-five or thirty-six for three thirty and four touchdowns. No Sean Moreno uh, combining for what's rounded off here to about 114 uh, all-purpose yards, having a good game. Thomas, 108 yards, receiving three touchdowns. Halo. Yeah, the Thomas brothers, man. I, I'm telling you. It's, and Wes, I'm upset because my main man, Wes Welker, didn't do much. But that just shows you the depth of this team, where he was the 3-4-5 leading wide receiver on this team yeah. yesterday. They have incredible depth. It's amazing. So now you've got Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, and Wes Welker now tied with nine touchdowns apiece this season. Yeah. Crazy, man. It is insane. They are the dream team. I mean, honestly, what was the last time we had three receivers possibly in double digits? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. It's had to have been a while. Um, Maybe back to the days of the 90s Cowboys or something. I don't know. Possibly. But – 
I mean, Phillip Rivers was, was more than capable throwing for a touchdown and a good completion to attempt ratio and 218 yards. Matthews got in after uh, 59 yards uh, rushing. But again, from there, it's a scatter plot of who did what. I mean, Gates was technically the leading wide receiver, but again, not much after that. No, no. So, no. Just too many weapons, too many weapons. Oh, yeah. You know what? you got to give your props to the Chargers. Though. They, you know what? They played themselves a good game. They kept it close. They, you know, they, honestly, they could have easily won this game, but... But you picked wrong, so just own up to it. But I picked right. wrong, and, you know, it is what it is. It's but, like I own up to the fact that I picked the Eagles to win, or to lose, I should say. And I did that for reverse psychology, so... But at least I, I didn't... Yeah, exactly. At least, you know, I didn't pick against my own team and watch No, it. I did it for reverse psychology. Sure, I sure, sure, sure. Oh. Sure, especially the Nick Foles hater that you are, man. I'm not, wait a minute. Wait, can we you talk about, trash about Foles every time? When did I talk trash about Nick Foles? Just last week. What did I say? You told you said he sucked. I'm not say he. You sucked. said he's not going to do nothing all season long after that seven touchdown. Did I call him a crumb bum? You no. called him a crumb bum lush. <laughs> and you're a lush. How about that? How about a little bit of that? Wish I was right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be you'd be singing tunes with Goulet. It'd be awesome. Goulet. All right, let's go to this route here, and that's the New Orleans Saints now seven and two on the season. Perfect five and zero at home after a forty nine to seventeen ass stomping over the Dallas Cowboys. Well, tell us how you really feel about this game. Good. It was. Listen, when you get four touchdowns from your quarterback and three rushing touchdowns from three separate running backs. It was an ass stomping. Oh, and uh, four different – well, technically six different people have the touchdowns. Bolston, yeah. Sproles, Stills, Thomas – or actually, I take that back, five. And Ingram. Yeah. Drew Brees, if he's not NFC Player of the Week, I don't know who is. Honest to goodness, 34-41, 392, four touchdowns. And for the first time in NFL history, in a regulation game, a team has – 40 first downs. Just Crazy. wrap your mind around that. Crazy. They, that's called matriculating the ball down the field, boys and girls. 40 first downs. I mean, look at that time of possession, man. Almost 20 minutes more than Dallas in this game. And and I have friends, of course, who are Cowboys fans. And they're like, French. oh, we're going to win. I'm like, you don't understand, number one, you're playing in New Orleans. The Saints are coming off. An embarrassing loss to the New York foot fetish. I mean, uh, the New York Jets. They're going to play. Lights out. And they they pretty much pillaged Tony Romo of any dignity he had left. As he only threw one touchdown going 10 of 24. It's like his rookie season all over again. And it wasn't to uh, the Ralphus of wide receivers, Des Bryant. It was to... uh, (laughs) It was to Terrence Williams. Wait a minute, isn't he an actor? Oh, I'm thinking of Terrence, somebody else. But uh, it was just – it was on like Donkey Kong, as the kids say. <laughs> the kids say? The kids say that. They what kids say it. that these days? <laughs> I don't think any kid these days have ever even played a lick of Donkey Kong. Kong. Oh, man. I am hip with the youth, okay? I'm down with OPP and ESPN, yo. The youth is downright dumb. With a kiss in America, whoa! Great thing is, I was reading on Twitter the other day, okay. uh, the actor who plays uh, Raj on Big Bang Theory, he went up to a girl in the street, a young girl, she had to been maybe 16 years old, she had a shirt on that said Bazinga, he walked up to her to tell her what a nice shirt she had and talked to her, and the girl had absolutely no idea who she was. 
That's beautiful. It was great. And that is the youth of today. They're the kids in America. The same women, you know, little kids that wear Led Zeppelin T-shirts, but couldn't name a Led Zeppelin song for you. So exactly, and you know, fair way to heaven, people. Stay and away. no, not the Neil Sedaka version, okay? They get a different. Heaven. All right, let's take a look at the NFL standings uh, since we're, uh, you know, just about done with uh, week ten here. We do have a game tonight, though, that of course we will uh, talk about on Wednesday. And, and I watch for Tampa Bay to get their first win tonight, according to me. And watch for Jim to go down two games in our battle. No, it would be down one game because we're tied at the moment. Over. Oh, I thought it was up one. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're t- we're tied. Okay, I'll go up one. Don't try to get the – yeah, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Right? I don't have the pen next to me. Sorry, right, let's uh, take a look at this here in the AFC East. It's all the Hoppa. Okay. The Hoppa. The, the New England Hoppas lead 7-2 to two in their division over the New York – 7-2? 7-2. 7-2. I thought you said 7-2-2. 7-2 over the New York Jets, who are 5-4 and four and in second place. Uh-huh. Over in the AFC North, the Bengals 6-4 and four over the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore Ravens, both tied for 4-5. and five. Who would have thought that? Yeah, right. The AFC South, Indianapolis Colts with a 6-3 and three record. The Tennessee Titans in second place, 4-5. and five. Once again, who would have thought that? He did. In the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs sitting high and pretty, 9-0, and although to me they should be 7-2 and right now. Denver Broncos should be in first place. But our... Oh, that'll change after Sunday night next. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Denver Broncos in second place, 8-1. and Let's look at the NFC. The Dallas Cowboys now the NFC East with Dallas Cow- with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Jim's hater of Nick Foles, both with a 5-5 and record. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Don't don't be a hater. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Okay. Let's, uh, let's bring out that audio when you thought Jeff Garcia should come out of retirement. I got it. Okay. <laughs> well, I never said that. Uh, let's look at the NFC North. Detroit Lions in first place with a six and three record uh, over the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers, both tied at five and four. The New Orleans Saints seven and two in the NFC South. Carolina Panthers once again. Who would have thought this? Six and three in second place and looking good right now. Oh yeah. In the NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks nine and one. San Francisco 49ers in second place, six and three. The most compelling division race is the NFC South right now to me because I think Carolina. Put you oh, let me let me let me look at the schedule to see if they face each other again. I'm pretty sure they do. The Saints and the uh, and the Panthers. As I start talking to Chris Myers' voice for no reason. In fact, they play each other twice, December 8th and December 22nd. Goulet. If Carolina can split, they still have a chance at the division. I know, right? And, and it's, it's going to be a fun race to watch. I mean, both of these teams are playoff teams. It's all about seeding. It's all about positioning at this point. I think that's the most compelling race to watch in the uh, in the entire league right now. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but of course, you know the the networks will tell us, nope, we want to watch the Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, mired in mediocrity, which you know. So we'll be getting Joe Buck calling our games for the rest of time. Ugh. Okay. Well, we're gonna uh, talk a little bit about uh, Richie Incognito and uh, his his interview that he just had oh, over the weekend. Man. But before we do a, a little bit of baseball news here, uh, Don Mattingly, nine coaches back with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and uh, Tim Wallach will be the bench coach for the L.A. Dodgers now, as well as uh, Joe Maurer will now be moving to first base from catcher next season because of, once again, missing half of the season with a concussion. So, Well, I, it was a matter of time before that happened. I mean, we've seen it happen with Mike Piazza, most notably, in okay. recent years. Oh, yeah. 
You know, it's it's a move to prolong his career. Hopefully, he will it, most likely be a DH. I mean, that's well, yeah. I th- I think well, you know, we've, seen, yeah, we've seen after. the catchers move to first base, and that's a a project that really doesn't work out well. So because they don't have the build for that. No, they, they're nope. not built to you know stretch far enough, and they'll end up tearing hamstrings in the process. I think you're ultimately right. He will be a DH because his bat is too valuable to the Twins right now. Let's uh, let's move the shortstop. Are you kidding me? That'd be fun to watch. That'd be that'd be like watching uh, that'd be that'd be like watching Mariano Rivera play shortstop for a game. Although I would have paid to see that. That would have been funny. All right, man. Let's get to this Richie Incognito story because he had a uh, what a, a a very controlled uh, interview uh, on Fox Sports with uh, Jay Glaze Donuts. You watched it. <laughs> you you love Jay Glazer. Come on. No, I don't. Um, you watched it. Yeah. You saw some excerpts. I didn't get to see it. I read some of the things he had to say, but, you know, of course, reading it and seeing the way he, you know, he expressed it himself with two totally different things. What did you take away from the interview with Richie Incognito this weekend? You know, my mind is more confused than ever, quite frankly, because yeah. one of the things that, I mean, Incognito says he's not a racist, even though he said the N-word. You know, I joke around with the racist Riley Cooper thing, but if you're going to drop the N-word... You know, in the way he did and the manner he did. Anyway, another thing that that just sticks out is, you know, this guy was obviously medicated before this interview because he was calm and cool as a cucumber, like he was the voice of reason, which goes against everything you've possibly ever heard about this man. And down from his roid rage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You want Uh, some of me, Glazer? You want some of this? I know you're an MMA guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Joe Glaze Donuts. Jay Glaze Donuts. He's like your main man, though. Come on. Anyway. Uh, I, I'm left with more questions than answers, because uh, Glazer actually got a copy of the, I believe it was over 1,000 texts sent between Incognito. And Mar- Martin? And Martin, yeah. And they actually talked as recent as a couple of days ago about things. And they were texting back and forth cordially. So this doesn't make sense to me at all. No. Especially with, you know, Richie Incognito saying that, you know, he's he's totally taken aback by it since he thought him and Martin were the best of friends. And they keep acting like it afterwards. Yeah. What the what the hell? So so now it's time to see when Martin will say his piece. Of course, he's letting lawyers talk for him, and when lawyers talk, nothing good ever comes of such things. So, we're not going to know the truth about this. I don't think we ever will know the truth about this. Yeah. If he said, she said, well, he said, he said, as it were. Um, it's My brain hurts. I just want to go back to actually talking about X's and O's. Because this story has literally run the gamut of emotions, run the gamut of opinions... It is the roller coaster that everybody wants to get on initially, and then not even halfway through the ride, they're begging to get off. Yeah. So, it's on FoxSports.com if you want to see the full interview. Uh, Jake Laser, expert Barbara Walter impersonator. Mm-hmm. Um, he even puts on the wing and goes, ah, I'm a Jake Laser. Want some donuts? <laughs> Why do you hate this man? I don't know. I just never was a fan of him. Okay. I know why. Because he gets free Subway stuff and you don't. That's why. Because he's a uh, friend of he Jared and I'm Jared. not. 
Jared's He's a friend of Jared's, and I'm not. Jared is his main man. He actually, I want me a nice toasting chicken sandwich. He, he's trying to help uh, Jared so he can actually uh, get the flab out, the excess skin out from all the weight he's lost. I heard Jared was signing with uh, the Jaguars. <laughs> what position? Quarterback, running back, head coach? No, water boy. What? Oh, man. Jared Boucher? It is a maniacal Monday here on 24th. Oh, of course, man. we're coming off a weekend. We didn't get to do a full hour on Friday, so I think that's another reason that's why. That's part of it, too. Let's I, not kid ourselves. Too late. Uh, All right, man. Let's talk a little baseball here. And uh, we got a story coming out today. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are leaving Turner Field and moving into a brand-new 42,000-seat, $672 million stadium 11 miles from downtown Atlanta in Cobb County for the 2017 season. Um, once again, you know, reading about this, it's not clear, of course, how, how much it's going to cost the uh, you know, taxpayers in Georgia. But here is a team who just got a new stadium less than 20 years ago, and they're moving. What yeah. is this about? It's about that money, money, yeah, yeah. They don't want to play ball in the city of Atlanta. They want to do their business in an area where they can get some tax breaks. I think that's part of it, at least. But the fans don't get the tax break. When the ones that are paying for the stadium. Because, you know. Wait, 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 wait a minute. They, they have fans in Atlanta? They do. They, they do. do. And they have a good fan base. They, they, they honestly do. But all all, all 10,000 who show up every game? Well, now. Never just so, been- last 10 years, that's pretty much been Atlanta Braves. I'm sorry. 15, 20, they can't sell out even in the playoffs. Come on now. Oh, just man. trying to keep it real. I know I have friends who are Braves fans. They're going to go from a stadium that currently seats 49,500 to 42,000, and the stadium will still be half empty. Wahahaha. <laughs> I, I love the Braves. You know I do. But no, this, this oh, I fear this is going to be a trend. Mm-hmm. I fear that we're going to see teams do this. You know, the 15, 20-year lease, and then, ah, we need something new. We need to compete with the other new amenities out there and what have you. It, it, it sort of makes building a stadium a mood point to a certain extent. I mean, listen, I, I hated the vet. I loathe the vet. Yeah. You know, with its rats, its cracks at its foundations, you know, its uh, non-existent bathrooms, so on and so forth. So on and so forth. But uh, I, you, know, you might as well have been in the hopper. And the hopper! Exactly. But but this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. There's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. I mean, you know what? We look at teams that desperately need a new stadium to my mind, right away, Oakland Athletics, who've been playing in the same place since, what, 69, I think? The 67, 68, I think, yeah. Uh, unbelievable, man. It is it is rid- ridiculous, as it were. And you just sent me a link of uh, the Braves' attendance over the course of the last decade. Would you like to share with the crowd where this team ranks? Close okay. to the bottom. Well... No, it's 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 not. Unfortunately, it's not in um, in in order. Um, it's not in order, but you know they've gone from almost. Their, three. their nine-year total between two thousand and uh, and two thousand nine, they were averaging uh, their totals twenty-eight million. Uh, so they're up on par with. Lost. 
between yeah. 2000 and oh, yeah. you know, they've lost between 750,000 and 800,000 fans from 2000 to 2009. Well, you got 2000, their, uh, their attendance record in 2000 was 3,229,000. Uh, 2009 was 2,510,000. So, yeah, you know, it is a drop-off, but, you know, they're less than a fan. But then again, there's no John Smoltz, there's no Chipper Jones, there's no great. They've got a good team. They've got a team that won the division. They've got young talent. Who knows? And I hate to say it, though. Most fans can't afford to take the families to the ballpark anymore. That's true. I will very much grant you that. That's very true. But, you know, let's look at some of the stadiums that, you know, that are the oldest stadiums that probably use an upgrade. And, of course, we got the uh, Angel Stadium Anaheim that was opened in the uh, Well, but, but, of course, they will tell you they renovated in the mid to late 90s when Disney owned the team and what have you, but it's still... It's still, a, you know, a, a stadium in the 60s, man. Come on, you know, Dodger Stadium, 1962. But they renovated a lot of things with that stadium recently to bring listen, it... Listen, they, they, they could have done the same thing with Turner Field if they wanted to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you got I think they were doing that. Corkman Stadium, which to me I think is one of the nicest stadiums, built in in, in seventy three. You got uh, Fenway Park. Let me stop right there. Corkman Stadium, they put, I think, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars to but renovate that's what that. I'm saying. They could have easily. That's why I was so upset when they ripped down Shea Stadium. I thought that they could have easily upgraded Shea Stadium, kept the same shell of it, and and you know did what most ballparks have done already. According to uh, a Wikipedia, and they're never wrong, Turner Field, <laughs> oh, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Uh, Turner Field uh, put in significant renovations before the 2005 season, including, at the time, the world's largest HD video board. No. Um, other stadiums have since eclipsed that whoopty tinkle uh, but they added LEDs and what have you and added, you know, uh, the big quote-unquote mascot, the unofficial mascot for them, uh, the big Chick-fil-A cow on the uh, – because it's all about eating more chicken, except on Sunday. The Lord says you cannot go there on Sunday. I love me some Chick-fil-A, too. I'm sorry. They're, they they put some cocaine in their chicken. It's delicious. Um, when you want to hang out. Right. Oh, oh, man. You got to take her out. Okay. Gulag. Jeez. I don't know how we go from collapsing to gulag. We're not under the influence. That's a scary thing. But... But to your point, there are many other teams that need stadiums more than uh, newer stadiums. I mean, again, 1966, the Odaco Coliseum was created. I mean, come on, it's it's a it's you know it's a joke. Yeah, it's a, it's a joke. But but you know, Oriole Park and Camden Yards around a few years before Turner Field, they're doing just fine. They're drawing, they're renovating as necessary. In fact, I don't know how many renovations have been made. Uh, yeah, there have been some in the last maybe three or four years. Nah. And, but you wouldn't notice them off the top of your head, okay? Oh, you know, not, it looks yeah. still very much like the same stadium that opened in the early 90s. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you don't go to every single game, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to know. So Exactly. Because yeah. and it's all about fighting for money. It's all about fighting for revenue. And it's all for fighting for the big events. And it's not just baseball ones like the All-Star game. Let's not kid ourselves. These stadiums, these teams, they'd love to have the Winter Classic because it's just that big of an economic boom. Economic boom! I mean, even though hockey is, you know, north of the 40-something parallels kind of thing, you don't think they would go nuts in Los Angeles for a Winter Classic between the Kings and the Ducks? They'd go nuts! They should. At Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine. Oh, man. 
It's time for King's Hockey. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we got our guest with us now. It's a little later than before, but glad to have him joining us, and that is author Jeff Perlman. What's going on, Jeff? Author Jeff Perlman screwed up and thought he was supposed to call it 1245. He apologized. That's fine. That's okay. That's, that's it happens. Fine. You know, that's it's fine. tough you... because it's Veterans Day, and uh, uh, among other things, my kids are home, so it's, uh, it throws... Of course, I love being around my daughter who's sitting in front of me, but it's it's uh, it takes the schedule to a different place. Anyway, I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all good. You're, you're here, and you're here and now, and that's the that's the crux of things. Thank uh, you. Jeff Perlman from JeffPerlman.com. He recent you recently wrote an article in Wall Street Journal uh, for WallStreetJournal.com uh, on their blogs, talking about and you mentioned your daughter how you wouldn't want your daughter or any of your kids to play team sports. What was the uh, and you 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 based things off of your experiences compared to now? Just how much have things changed in your experiences with team sports and team athletics in the thirty or so years since you played? Um, I think drastically. I uh, now I would admit sometimes people just tend to long for the good old days, you know, and they they forget the tough things that came along with the good old days. But but uh, I do think that something with youth sports is really sort of. Um, gone awry you know it's way over competitive um way about college scholarships more and more sort of hostilities towards you know the the pimpled faced 15 year old umpire and the the coaches who are all about winning and i just i don't know i don't like it i, I i'm not trying to raise kids who are uh who are i don't know for lack of a better word softer or whatever but i i could do without these screaming coaches who think winning is the only important thing in the world um, mm-hmm. screaming at my kids because he missed a pop fly, you know. And, I, you know, a friend of mine just posted on Facebook the other day, actually yesterday, a fellow uh, Sports Illustrated guy. He was mm-hmm. at a Little League game, and uh, it was a 12-year-old Little League game. Bottom of the ninth or bottom of the seventh, whatever number of innings they play. Uh, coach's team, team in the field was up by one with two outs, and he intentionally walked the three best hitters in the lineup who were, out that, in, who were up that inning uh, so loaded the bases intentionally to pitch to the kid who wasn't quite as good, and he, you know, he struck out to end the game. And uh, I just thought, what a dick thing to do! What a horribly yeah. mean, awful th- for what? So a bunch of twelve-year-olds can win a little league game? It just drives that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. Do you think it gets to the point, uh, Jeff, where it's the coaches who maybe didn't have success when they were playing? Uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and the parents also to a certain extent. Let's not forget about the the parent mentality. I mean, you, you hear the stories, the horror stories all the time, of parents taking it like it's the gospel when they're watching their kids and their kids' friends play. Do you think it's them vicariously trying to live through their kids and trying to get success because they couldn't attain it? No, I actually think it's another thing. I think it's um, I think it's a lot of people. So it's mainly fathers. I think, who are coaching, right. you know, mainly you see dads coaching. I think it's a lot of guys who work 50, 60 hours a week, right, at the hedge fund or wherever they work, but they work these mm. jobs that are frustrating and not that, you know, they, they don't enjoy their, their, their weekends. A lot of frustration, a lot of stress, and a lot of, and this is their time with their kids. You know, during the week, you know, it's either mom or the babysitter who's there, who's uh, making the kids lunches in the morning, who's taking them to after-school piano or, or whatever, and the dads are at work. And this is their time with their kids. This is what they do. This is their contribution to their kids' lives is coaching. And so I think a lot of these guys, 
um, don't know any better or they think this is how you're supposed to do it, you know, and they're over-competitive. And a lot of guys, you know, uh, it's like you have this pent-up sort of physicality or, I don't know, just anger, frustration, whatever, and you kind of take it out on the Little League fields. I think a lot of these guys are probably very good athletes when they were playing, but they don't do it anymore, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know. So basically, that's yeah, so you know, so just basically living through their kids. I know we had Billy Owens on with us last week, uh, former NBA player, and we were talking to him about, uh, you know, being a coach for the kids because he coaches his kids, he coaches for Camden Rutgers now and everything. And I threw it to him, you know, with where when I was coaching last year, I, I was coaching a basketball team for my nephews, and you know, I didn't like a lot of the rules and everything they put into place. You know, nobody kept score, nothing like that. Now I'm all with, with you know, letting the kids learn. Um, you know, how to win and lose, but I think they're just forcing it in such a, a terrible direction where if you don't win, it's it's the worst thing in the world. But I think, you know, when I was a kid playing, when we didn't win, you know, the coach would say, all right, now you got to take this loss, you got to learn from it, and now it's time to move on to the next game. But, uh, you know, it's still all about fun. And I think a lot of the teams and a lot of the little leagues and everything, they really lost the whole fun aspect that for, you know, for, for these kids. Right. Well, I agree. What's interesting is I actually am against – there are more and more places now that everybody gets a trophy and everyone's yes. a winner. You know, everyone, we all won, blah, 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 let's not keep score. I'm totally against that. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with, with taking – you need to learn to lose. It's important. You need to – you know what? You're not always the best at everything. It's okay. No. It's okay you're not the best at everything, but you're not always going to be the best. You're not always going to win a trophy. That's fine. I think that's actually important. You know, I hate, hate this idea that, like, everyone won today. You know, well, not everyone won today. No. What I'm saying is – but you also need to go with that is, all right, you didn't win today. But it's not that big a deal, you know? Yeah. Work harder, try your best. Did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? You know, you can lose a game and still enjoy it. You know, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't make you a loser because mm-hmm. at the end of a 5-4 game, you had the four runs, but you still had a great time, mm-hmm. you know? But I don't know. It just, I don't know. I don't like where it's going. I just don't. Yeah. You know what? Now, let me ask you this because I asked uh, Billy Owens this as well. With the way they're doing that where they don't keep score, nobody wins, you know, all of that stuff, which I'm, I am totally against. Mm-hmm. Now we're sending our kids off to high school after playing in all these leagues where they don't keep score, nothing, and, you know, they want to play varsity, they want to play JV. And now we have, you know, really good high school basketball, baseball coaches that are going to be coaching these kids now, and they're going to have to put up with these attitudes of these kids where, you know, they're going to go from an environment where supposedly everybody wins, we don't keep score, to a very heavy environment of, guess what, if we didn't win, we got to work harder, we got to work out tomorrow, we got to run sprints, isn't that just going to damage these kids further along the line where they, have, they, they come from having no responsibility of learning how to lose to a total new responsibility of, guess what, if you lose, you know, you're going to be sat on the bench, you're going to have to run sprints, you're going to have to do this, this, and that. And I think it's unfair to these coaches. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I just think it makes it awkward for, in a lot of ways. Like, I just think if, you, if kids never lose, well, at some point we're all, we all lose. You know, at, some point, mm-hmm. at some point in life we all have setbacks, we all have – Defeats it doesn't even have to be just in sports. It could be in the science fair. It could be getting your article rejected. It could be a million different things. And if if kids never learn what it is to lose or to have uh, setbacks, to have disappointments, it's not just about sports. It's about everything in life. They're never going to be able to deal with. I mean, I think most of us probably. <laughs> I mean, it's not that often that you come in first in something. You know, more often you don't. So you have to be able to learn to to deal with it and accept it. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. But I think it extends beyond sports. I think we need to learn. It's not a, it's it's okay to lose. You're not always going to win. Deal with it, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, you know, the title of this is why you don't want your kids to play team sports. Now, if your son or your daughter comes up to you tomorrow and says, listen, I really want to play in this, are you going to speak to them that, you know, <laughs> you, know this, you know, this is why I don't want you to play, or are you just going to let them do it to try to learn it for themselves? You know what? I would let, I would let them. I'm not going to. Yeah. I mean, I just, the truth of the matter is I come from a, uh, I come from, I ran track and cross country in, in, uh, in high school and then at the University of Delaware, and it was, uh, I love what I love about those sports is it's all about it really truly is about your personal best. You know, mm-hmm. you uh you know, I used to run when I was at Delaware I was a freshman, I was a pretty lousy runner, division one runner. And I knew I was gonna get my butt kicks when we ran against really good scores. I had no there was no illusion that I had some chance of winning these whatever I wasn't gonna win the five thousand against Princeton. You know, I had no chance of doing it or Haverford or whatever. But if I could beat my own time you know, if I if I could have my best race I've ever had at said course, there's something really valuable about that, and something that was that was my coach Jim Fisher used to always stress that: do your personal best, beat your personal best, push yourself to the limit. I think there's such a value in those lessons more than having a coach scream at you because you didn't beat you know the Tigers, you know, in 12 year old little league. I'd, so I really like the lessons of that. But I'm not gonna, I wouldn't tell my kid not to play. What I what I would do. Um, that I probably should have addressed in the story more was I would really look into the coaches and really make yeah. sure that the coaches who are, who are coaching my kids are not the win at all costs. You know, I talked about in that column when my brother was 12 years old. He, had, he played youth soccer. My brother was a was a sort of unathletic, didn't have many friends. You know, we didn't know at the time, but had Asperger's syndrome, which is a, on the autism spectrum. And this coach plays in the bare minimum amount of, amount of time shoves him in at right fullback, makes sure he never touches the ball. And ultimately, it was a lot more damaging than it was positive. And it just seems unnecessary to do that to kids. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned autism. I have two you know, brothers who are autistic, and I wouldn't want to put them in that kind of a situation. It would be, it would be heartbreaking, quite frankly, if they, right. for lack of better terms, got used and abused uh, through, right. through such things. Let me, let me go to a hypothetical here. We're talking, by the way, if you're just tuning in with Jeff Perlman, best-selling author, uh, writer, and he posted this article on uh, a blog on WallStreetJournal.com. Between everything you've addressed in your article and with us here, and of course you probably know full well about the recent PBS Frontline documentary about concussions and how they've been, you know, deemed quote-unquote an epidemic even though they've already been in place for eons and eons. Do you think we're actually going to see pullback from parents? Do you think we're going to see... You know, could you put a percentage, a hypothetical percentage, on how how uh, you know uh, fewer, how fewer, how many, how many less? I can't talk today. Don't mind me. That's all right. The fact that we might see fewer and fewer and fewer kids playing team sports. Do you think we're actually going to see that in numbers? I think with football, no, no doubt about it. I think definitely with football. I, I mean, I. I, I'm not criticizing parents who are in it, but I would never let my kids play youth football. I just think it, the benefits of youth football compared to other sports don't outweigh the potential physical negative, negatives. I just, I just don't think it's worth it. So football, yeah. I don't think in other sports. I think other sports are still – I think people still see a lot of positives in other youth sports and the physicality and having your kid out there and you know teamwork and all that stuff. I think a lot of parents are still into it. So football, yes. Other sports, probably not. And one other thing, you mentioned the coaches. If you were in a situation, would you ever want to coach one of your kids' teams if they ever played sports, or would you want to be a coach, and how would you differ your coaching mentality if the answer is yes 
from those that you've seen. Well, I did coach my son last year in Little League in uh, youth okay. baseball, and uh, he was only six. So it was uh, – they're just little kids kind of learning the game. But, again, one of the things that set me off – I'm not saying it's wrong, but one of the things that really set me off is – so they – where I live, they're, they're starting to have fall ball now um, mm-hmm. for kids. Well, when I was growing up in Mayo Pack, New York, fall ball literally did not exist. You played baseball in one season. You played basketball another season. You played soccer and football another season. That was it. That's yeah. how it worked. Yep. There's no specialization. There are no side coaches. You didn't play for X number of leagues, and you weren't allowed to play in other leagues, and blah, blah, blah. And I just think, like, so fall ball comes along. A lot of kids have no interest in playing baseball all the season. But if they don't, all these other kids are going to just go way ahead of them. And, and the kids who decide not to play multiple seasons of baseball because they want to do all the different sports, they end up falling behind. It's like you have to choose a sport now, and you have to commit yourself to it at least two of the seasons. And I just think there was a real beauty growing up. I remember growing up, and we all played all the different sports. I never played football, but we played baseball, we played soccer, we played basketball. We'd be in the backyard playing kill the carrier. We'd play pick up hoops in the driveway. Sure. Um, take long runs with my dad. Like all this diversification of athleticism that just doesn't exist anymore because everyone's looking for the specialization. I really hate that. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. They're specializing because they're trying to get you into a position where you are going to be, like you mentioned in the article and you mentioned to us, you are going to be the big college scholarship, four-year, who am I kidding, one-year athlete, and then you'll go pros and you'll make tens of millions of dollars and everything is going to be right with the world, but the underlying issues will not ever be addressed. Exactly. You know what I want? I'll tell you my goal for my kids. I want my kids to have happy lives. That's it. That is 100% it. That's all I want. I don't... I don't care if they get Division One sports scholarships. I don't. I want them to have happy lives. And these parents who put it into their kids, and they see their kid at seven dribbling a ball and think, wow, my kid can really dribble that ball. I'm going to sign them up for X, 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 and X. I feel like oftentimes they're doing much more of a disservice than a service. It's like the YouTube mentality when you see the kid who's like six months old and he can make shots like he's, you know, like he's Dr. J. It's like, right. okay, right. You're, really, you're really setting your kid up for disaster. This is not good. I agree. I agree. I'm with you. So, I agree 100%. While, while we have you on, Jeff, I want to talk about something you're going to have come out, uh, according to Amazon at least. The release will be March 4th. You've done a book about the 1980s Dynasty Lakers called Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. How long did it take for you to uh, compile everything you had to get – for this uh, for this book, uh, about two years, about two years mm-hmm. total. Um, so it's coming out in March, and uh, you know, it's book number six. Hopefully, it does well. Hopefully, people care. The thing that's actually interesting is uh, it's been complicated because uh, people don't. I don't think people think or even care about this stuff. But originally, it was going to come out in February, and then we found it. Oh, it's a Winter Olympics. You're always trying to find when should my book come out. You know, when right. is the right time for a book to come out? And uh, finally, my daughter, the beautiful Casey Perlman, who I just gave a grilled cheese to said, Yay. come out in March. So I'm coming out in March. No. She goes, I said that. Well, and I said, no, not really. My publisher said, come out in March. So we said, all right, we'll come out in March. Well, it makes sense, of course, because you're getting close to the end of the NBA season and what have you. And you look back at one of the great dynasties in the history of the NBA. What is it about the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, that everybody just remembers? I mean, is it is it solely magic? Is it solely Pat Riley? I mean, what is it that, that creates the love affair where everybody, you know, you know, Everybody wanted to be the Bulls of the '90s or the Lakers of the '80s. What, what is it? What is the magic, quote unquote, about about the Showtime era Lakers? Oh, I think it was a lot of things. I mean, first and foremost, they had you know the the one of the two definitive players of the era, 
and uh, you know a guy who who wasn't just a basketball player but was a showman and a and a uh, you know magician on the court and and the big smile and and you know they played in the media capital and they I mean they had first of all they had two of the greatest players of all time on the court at the exact same time. Magic yeah. and, and Kareem. I mean, how often does that happen? Two of the great. Definitely. You can make an argument. Two of the five greatest players of all time on the same team. They had, Absolutely. you know, yeah. Riley. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. I mean, they just had a million different things. They had, they had everything going for them. They had a definitive coach. They had definitive players. Then you, you talk about the different characters, you know, from Worthy and Cooper to Rambis and Byron Scott and Norm Nixon. They just great team to write about. Great era. Fascinating time. You know, uh, hopefully the book does well. I don't know. But it was a great time. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be buying it. As you know, Jeff, you and I have spoken uh, plenty of times before in the uh, past, and I have all your books. I love them. The Bad Guys one, Love Me, Hate Me, two of my favorite books. I think they are Thanks. phenomenal. Now, which book did you enjoy writing the most out of out of all the six now combined? Uh, probably Sweetness. I really fell yeah. in love with Walter Payton and everything he stood yeah. for and the highs and the lows and the drama. And, you know, I mean, we uh, Walter Payton came to, like, more than other books, really came to sort of take over um, my thoughts for a while. And, and, you know, my son still has a Walter Payton picture hanging up in his room, and we we were just watching, literally yesterday, my daughter was quoting Walter Payton when we were driving in the car. Uh, yes, you were. And, and <laughs> I mean, we just, we, <laughs> a scene from the, from the football life of Walter Payton. And uh, I, there's just something about Walter Payton that really stuck with me and probably will, I think will always stick with me. Um, all the books are like your kids. You know, they have things you like and things you don't like and highs and lows, but that one really, uh, that one did it for me the most. Yeah, I mean, I, I've run into people all the time, and, you know, when we talk about sports books and, you know, doing book reviews, I I don't think I've met one person where they didn't at least come out with one title of one of your books. So, well, I appreciate you know. that. I mean, it's a dream. It's been a dream career for me. It's been an absolute dream for me. I love writing books, and I love digging in. And, you know, I just, uh, it's, a, it's a real passion for me, so I, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, the book is the book is Showtime Magic Kareem Riley and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the Eighties. I'm going to give you the the hard plug here to help you out. I appreciate that. Like you, yeah. like you need the help. I mean, you. you I could use it. Believe guy. me when I say this. I need the help. People think, oh, hey, easy, well, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, I could always use the help. It's available on Amazon and wherever bookstores are available for pre-order. Uh, matter of fact, it's going to be hardcover. You know, you'll probably have a paperback version, audio book. Kindle version, and if you have to, you'll go door to door and sell it. You'll just panhandle it. I will come to your house and read it to you. I will come to your house. That's right. (laughs) In your radio flyer red wagon, you'll just have stacks of books and you'll just bring them right on down the street and what have you. But no, it it comes out uh, early March 2014, and we definitely wish you the best of luck with that. And of course, your website, jeffperlman.com, with uh, interesting takes on the world of sports uh, on a a fairly regular basis. Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much. And uh, I got to say, I just. we just went to stop and shop, and there was a uh, there's a, a Korean War veteran sitting out front in a wheelchair, uh, raising money. I think it's always easy for us on this day to forget uh, why you know we have a day off, and we're kicking around and everything. I always like to uh, think it's important today to think about that a little bit, you know. Anyway, you bet. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. As always. You're not supposed to say goodbye to us. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, this internet <laughs> protocol. No, I'm kidding. But Jeff, seriously, great to have you on. Great to talk with you. Glad we, we want you back on again, closer to when the book comes out. We want to talk Definitely. more about yeah. the book. Sure. Sorry, I was late. I apologize. Hey, hey, you were here. That's all that matters. I'm not Thank here, you so that's. Okay. All right. Cool. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Perlman.
JeffProman.com, Sports Illustrated. He, you, it's better to list the things he's not involved with because it might be a shorter list. He's got a lot going on. Thanks again. No, he really does. It's uh, you know, like I said, I, I have all his books. They are phenomenal. Uh, you know, the bad guys one about the 1986 Mets. So of course, you know, I was all over that book. Uh-huh. Hate me. The story about Barry Bonds. I thought that was just phenomenal in the way he wrote it. Uh, the Rocket That Fell to Earth about uh, Roger Clemens. He also has. Uh, Boys Will Be Boys, which is, of course, about the Dallas Cowboys and Sweetness, the enigmatic life of Walter Payton. Uh, Just, you know, Jeff's a phenomenal writer. I love everything that he does. I love, you know, even reading all his little pieces that he does on JeffProman.com where it's just things about his life or things that, you know, peeves him or whatever. It's it's just a phenomenal blog that he has. And really, if uh, you love sports and you love reading some great things, head over to JeffProman.com and you can buy his books there as well. They are just Phenomenal books. So his uh, Quaz database uh, is a who's who of, uh, of people in the business oh, uh, of sports that are great to read and great to great to take a look at. Oh, he's he's interviewed so many different people from uh, you know from just uh, actors and actresses to sports, even Tommy Shaw, the uh, singer from uh, Sticks. Uh, just some phenomenal things. So indeed, definitely check it out, JeffPerlman.com, and uh, buy the book, as they say, buy, buy the book. Well, before we get off the air here, just got a text. Uh, Jonathan Martin wants to play again, but cannot do it with the Miami Dolphins, so likely done for the season, which um, I'm not shocked, are you? I am shedding crocodile tears over it. I really, really... I'm not shocked. Anyway, let's uh, throw out a quick uh, couple of reminders. Tonight is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. Don Cherry's going in. Oh, wait, no. Inductions. We got Chris Chilios, Geraldine Heaney. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer, Fred Shero, who I know you're happy about, long and overdue. Brendan Shanahan. So Shero is long overdue for what he did to put Philadelphia hockey on the map. I'm sorry. No, I overdue. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. So, but but Shanahan, I mean, it's it's a who's who of American hockey when it comes to Shanahan and Chelios. Uh, you know, well, of, of North American hockey in recent years, I should say. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just I saw an interview on NHL Network. Yeah, that channel still exists, by the way, folks. Uh, where Chelios, you know, it was a perfect storm for him how he even got into hockey because it was it was pretty much a direct link to that 1980 Miracle on Ice team and their success. And then people, you know, hey, let's take a chance on these guys south of the. Uh, south of the border of Canada and see what we can get here. And, you know, thus the John LeClairs of the world, the Chris Chelioses of the world, uh, got to be. And Chelios, if not mistaken, he was 48 when he finally retired. He played for a number of long time. Long time. And he was, he was consistently good. And he, uh, he deserves the honors tonight, as does Shanahan when he's not being the czar of everything penalty or in the, uh, in the NHL these days. So, in fact, there's just one game on the dock, and in fact, it's going on as we are finishing up uh, in the NHL this afternoon. Uh, Tampa Bay's playing somebody. It's not coming to me at the top Boston of my Bruins. Boston Bruins, 1 o'clock. They're on oh, right. well, there you go. Yeah, well, well, you know what, Boston fans? You know what? If you if you can't make it, if you're working or something, you just put it on the hopper and you watch it later. Yeah. I'm not Jack Listen to Crazy Jack Edwards and his random, you know, doings. On the hopper. Well... Here's a little plug for us Wednesday. Oh. It's not 100% yet because he is the busiest man in sports. Uh Uh-oh. But we may be joined by a very good friend, Kenny Albert. Yes. Looking good at it. It's going to come down to the wire because, as we know, Kenny covers everything. And, of course, we got the three main sports going on right now with uh, football, hockey, and basketball. And he does a little bit of everything for that. Well, really, he's a four-sport broadcast. Yes, he does baseball baseball as well. He is just 
the busiest man in sports, and I and I've, and I've your main man. I have told him that before. I tell him he's the busiest man in sports. So uh, anytime Kenny Albert can make some time for us, uh, we we truly appreciate. So try to tune in on Wednesday. Uh, there's a fifty fifty chance Kenny will be joining us. We'll talk to him some uh, some football, some hockey, some basketball. We'll, 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 we'll talk with Kenny a little bit about everything. He's a great guy. Yeah, I think we ought to clear out like five hours for him. No, no. Oh, man. no. Honestly, man, I could sit down for for hours and have a conversation with Kenny. Great guy, man. Just so knowledgeable and. Uh, you and, know. and he's one of the best at what he does, and and absolutely in, in every sport he does. Baseball, he's great at. Football, he's great at. You know, hockey. Hockey's again, phenomenal at. Yeah. That's how I got to start in hockey back in the early '90s with the yeah. Skipjacks. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, basketball, he does that well too. Yep, yeah, he does it all, man. You know, he is a he's he's a five tool broadcaster, if you will. He is. He absolutely is. So try to tune in on Wednesday, twelve PM Eastern time, and hopefully we'll be joined by our good friend Kenny Albert. Uh we'd like to thank author Jeff Perlman for joining us uh here on the program today. Uh try to check out his books and uh, and grab phenomenal, phenomenal books. And I'm not just saying that because he was on. I'm saying that because I am an avid reader of Jeff Perlman's stuff. So mm-hmm. check out JeffPerlman dot com and uh, you can buy his books there. Um you know, once again, we want to say thank you to our uh, U.S. veterans. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for us, and uh, you know, your fighting is letting us be on the air today. And, and you, you, you were resisting this when I started dropping it on November one. This is slowly but surely becoming the twenty-four-seven Sports Hub November to remember. It absolutely is. You were resistant. But you cannot fight the resistance. <laughs> cannot fight it no longer. La resistance. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, man. Montreal. <laughs> French people, you can call Jim at 912. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get out of here. So for, for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Ragus. We'll see you all Wednesday. I think i got to watch a Quebecers match after what I just did.